0: And Welcome to Social Disgraces, where we talk all things social issues and spirituality. On this podcast, we share stories from people who have been a part of oppressed or marginalized communities, overcome challenges, or advocated for change. We often incorporate a faith tie-in, and we'll have several topics centered around spiritual issues and religious deconstruction. On this podcast, we believe in loving thy neighbor, Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ rights, are human rights, feminism is for everyone, and we all deserve a little grace. Today, we are joined by Austin Jenkins. Austin is a musician, poet, and fellow deconstructionist. We will be talking with him to learn about his deconstruction journey and specifically the role that poetry has played in this journey and how he utilizes music and poetry through navigating it all. First of all, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Austin, do you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are?
1: Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm Austin Jenkins. My life is like really just kind of like a lot of things. But first of all, I was born in Washington, D.C., grew up in Maryland. And then just uh, through crazy family dysfunctional circumstances, circumstances ended up getting away from like a really really toxic family stuff and then ended up moving to a city called uh, Fairfax and then that's where I've pretty much been residing for a good number of years yeah ever since pretty much I was like a kid right basically if that makes yeah
0: Yeah. So I first connected with you on Instagram, I believe, and it was in through kind of this, the deconstruction space or where a lot of people are talking about, I I think a lot of people know what deconstruction is, but for those that don't, it's this space online that has been, oh, I don't want to say trending, but I would say on the rise, as far as like more people starting to deconstruct And it's basically people who were raised in super religious homes, specifically a lot of them, I think, really conservative religious or fundamentalist uh, evangelical spaces. I see a lot of Mormons that are starting to deconstruct some of the toxic elements of the theology that they were brought up to believe or things that went on in religious spaces that they grew up with and starting to just kind of dissect those and take a more critical look at either leaving the faith or restructuring and redefining their faith. And so anyways, can you kind of walk us through your religious background and what started your deconstruction journey?
1: Ooh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. Another loaded question. Um, so, I was so loaded. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So this kind of goes back to, oh my gosh, like when I was a kid, pretty much. Like I said, I grew up in a, a dysfunctional family setting. So my biological mother would uh, take me to this daycare provider. And I remember at some point when I was going there, either on the days that I had school or days I didn't have school, she would teach me all this stuff about the Bible. And at one point showed me these movies. Like, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the Left Behind series. Oh, I have the full <laughs>
0: collection, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was shown those movies. I was shown one movie called Escape from Hell, which is about a doctor who basically puts himself under to try and discover if there's an afterlife or not. And this, it was traumatizing. And that or that was the one that was very traumatizing for me because, I mean, hell. And so the concept of hell. And I remember telling this woman at one point, I don't want to go to hell. So then she basically was like, okay, well then uh, pray this prayer with me.
0: How old were you then?
1: Oh, uh, it was a long time ago. I don't even it's remember. Like a I th-
0: child though.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: One thing I always think is so funny when it comes to some of the movies. So my mom, she loves uh, horror movies and like, I remember growing up, she would enjoy watching, you know, these like really twisted psychological movies about hell and demonic activity and things like that. But yet, if there was a movie with like a sex scene at all, she would be like, ah, this is disgusting. (laughs) And I was always like, so confused by the standard. Like, it's okay to watch people brutally murdered and like be possessed by demons and whatever else, but a little side boob is like turn this off (laughs) this is gross this
1: is wrong I know anyways
0: random tangent there that that
1: made me think it's just funny it's very interesting and I think I like tweeted this I like said something about how my religious trauma was what made me curious about existential and uh, spiritual things so that's pretty much how it happened like i as soon as I saw like all this stuff. But it also like really did a number on me because I mean, it was very, like I said, it was very traumatizing. And of course, I grew up, like I said, in a very uh, dysfunctional family. So I suffered a lot of like, physical abuse from my biological mother. And so I felt like that and then having the spiritual manipulation like was kind of like a I don't know, those those two kind of like went hand in hand and just did a number on me mentally. I remember the first time like having an out-of-body experience as a kid. And then that like was a whole number. And so I was just like, oh wow, like that's this is different. And so I don't know. And I
0: think for a lot of people in the deconstruction community, I do hear the religious trauma as people can start to put a label to it. And that's one thing that I think, I think there are some people who believe even just the word trauma is overutilized on social media, like not everything is trauma. And while that's true, not everything is trauma. I also think that being able to talk about these things and where there is trauma, put a label to it, you know, that doesn't change the fact that doesn't create trauma where there wasn't, it just creates a label for it and a way to talk about it. And it's interesting too. I think, sorry, if you don't want to dive too deep into this, we don't have to, but you know, you mentioned growing up in kind of in a, a physically abusive home. And that's one thing. So the last episode that we had, Rebecca Jones from Rebecca and writing on Instagram was on, and she was talking about how one of the things that led to her starting deconstruction was some of the kind of abusive ideals about what parenting should look like within the church and
1: Mm.
0: not that everyone within the church is abusive by any means but there's this weird almost oh I don't know if paradox is the right word but like a thing where you have kind of this idea of like oh well they're in a Christian home so like it's a good home because it's a good Christian home like they're being raised right while simultaneously a lot of Christians Believing in very, like, punitive forms of authoritarian parenting and physical abuse.
1: Right, right.
0: But, yeah, kind of another tangent.
1: And then to couple that with narcissism as well.
0: Very true.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. Also, the fear of hell that is just such a big theme. And I think that, I don't know, it's just... It shouldn't be what, um, you shouldn't be drawn towards anything because you're afraid of, I don't know, this, this kind of like fear and control that, that exists and starts at such a young age.
1: Right. I mean, you know, part of it, I mean, it's like, if I remember correctly, I mean, like I said, it was like years ago. I mean, yeah, there was some like trauma, but also like just, especially with that movie, Escape from Hell, it was like captivating, but yet at the same time, it was also Horrifying to watch. It's yes, like, like I'm like like why is this terrible thing happening? But yet, why am I so drawn to this thing? It's like curiosity killed the cat, like literally.
0: <laughs> yep, I don't think I saw that movie, but I definitely saw all the Left Behind movies, and for a long time, I thought Kurt Cameron was like, you know, the Beast or whatever.
1: It oh yeah, uh, I was oh, like yeah.
0: so great and so cool, and now I'm kind of like, oh so cringy um yeah. but I remember mm-hmm. being f- afraid after the left behind stuff and I mean one of them that stood out to me one of the guys that I think it's in the first movie or I don't know that gets left behind when you know Jesus comes back and raptures everyone is a pastor and it was like that was always scary and unsettling because it's like gosh if even a pastor isn't getting into he- like how do you um there's almost this like always fear of like am I really saved like should I say the prayer again and like cross double (laughs) double check this off like yeah one thing so I know that and we'll get to this a little bit later too but I know that you also have a podcast where you've talked about some of these things and I know on one episode you were talking about kind of this concept of like maybe you were always deconstructing and I thought that was really interesting. And it was definitely something that really resonated with me because when you said it, I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like I've always, there've been certain things that I've always kind of pushed back on or thought, why do we, I don't know, evolution even being one. So like at the Christian school that I went to at least in middle school, they taught fundamentalist seven day earth, 6,000 year old earth type stuff. And my first thought, I remember being, you know, the order of evolution kind of aligns with the order of creation in the Bible. So like, what if, and it says that a day is like a thousand years. So what if we're interpreting it wrong? And what if kind of God did create it, but he used evolution to do so, or all of these things where I was just like, what if that's not what it means really more just questioning the interpretation, but I definitely never called it deconstruction, but as far back as I can remember, I've always questioned things like that. Can you talk about that for you? Some of the things that you first started questioning or that didn't make sense for you?
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and by the way, doesn't Joel Houston believe in the whole like evolution thing? (laughs) <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to go all hillsong on people and uh anyway anyway so i think i think he does believe in the evolution rather than like the whole six or seven six seven day uh creation story like that might
0: be i think there are a lot more christians now that or maybe always were and i just you know listen um that do believe it but there's <laughs> there's definitely still a lot out there that that don't um, I mean,
1: yeah. What were we talking about? Yeah.
0: So some of the <laughs> some of the things that you first started questioning, maybe even before you started formally deconstructing.
1: Ooh. Okay. Well, I mean, I always have been questioning things. I can't really pinpoint when it really started. Well, oh, actually, no. Maybe I can. It was around like I think I want to say towards the end of like 2017. I've always been questioning things though. That's, that's like my brain always just kind of like, Oh no, what about this? Or what about that? Or it's just, my brain does that all the time. I can tell you like when uh, everything started happening, it was, I would say 27, yeah, it was 2017, 2018-ish, sorry, um, was when when I really started to like dig back into my past and everything, and I mean, I didn't have the, that word for it back then in 2017. It was more like just me questioning. I would call it questioning rather than, or having doubts rather than deconstructing. But I will say, like, I remember going back, thinking about like those movies I had seen and everything, and... I was just like, wow. Like, I was taught Christianity out of a place of fear and judgment, rather than out of a place of love and identity and like who God made me to be, that type of thing. So that's, yeah.
0: I think that makes sense. Where do you feel like you are now? Oh,
1: geez. As as do you feel like you've <laughs> kind of landed
0: somewhere, or where are you? Yeah. What what do you what do you feel like your kind of beliefs are now, and do you feel like you're you're settled in those, or you're you're still on
1: the, on the journey. <laughs> Honestly, I'm on the journey. Like I'm still on the journey. I mean, and I've been doing this for, well, it really started 2019. So, cause that's when I left my, my church was 2019. And that's when I really, and I also, that was when I was also reading Rachel Held Evans' book, uh, Searching for Sunday. And that's when I really started to deconstruct things and really started to see things and it's just like so yeah I've been on a journey and some days I mean I still call myself a Christian I identify as that I still believe I still uh, try to follow Jesus to the to the best of my ability and fail I don't really like to call myself a Christian especially with everything especially in 2020 and just not even in 2020 it's like 2020 and like back it's just like (laughs) All the years before 2020, I'm just like I don't even like calling myself a Christian or identifying myself as a Christian. I don't like that label, although I heard someone say that like it that name the name Christian like or the word Christian literally means or is translated as little Christ, but I'm like, eh, what like with all like everything that's happening in the world right now, um I don't think I would like identifying myself as that <laughs> so. I call, I like to call myself uh, an existential wanderer or an existentialist. That's kind of where I'm landing. Yeah, no, I,
0: I think that also makes sense. And I agree. I think that especially in America, I think the idea of what is associated, the connotation that goes along with even just being a Christian, um, especially in the political landscape. And while I know, you know, it's like not all Christians and there are some great probably some great churches out there I haven't been to one yet but um
1: neither have I neither have you know I, <laughs> I think the
0: majority it has kind of a, a negative thing that goes goes along with it for a lot of people and um Yeah. It's, it's funny because uh, a lot of people have maybe seen this. There's a video floating around that I think a lot of people saw where this guy was talking about how, you know, people just want to deconstruct because it's so trendy and that's the cool new thing to do. And what I think is interesting about that is starting to deconstruct has opened my eyes to how trendy it is to be a Christian. (laughs) Like it's Mm. just so, I feel like prominent throughout our Our culture, at least, so I'm in the Midwest and at least around here, it's, yeah, (laughs) I feel like it's much trendier, more accepted to just kind of go along with, with that, but.
1: Right. Like it's like that it's sexy to deconstruct or whatever. Like it's, it's a new thing. Like this, this new, uh, it's like, no, no, uh, (laughs) yeah, we, we didn't choose, the deconstruction life the deconstruction life chose us so-
0: <laughs> i love that
1: It's <laughs> so-, so
0: funny so i want to talk about poetry some because i know that you have done poetry for a long time and you have posted poems and things on social media and there's just a strong focus there how long have you been writing poetry for
1: Okay, so this kind of like goes all the way back to, like, fifth grade, <laughs> so... Cause I I remember like in elementary school, that was like the first time I really took notice and really was kind of interested in that was yeah, around like fifth grade. And I could not write worth a damn to save my life. And so so I remember, and I tried writing songs. I wrote songs uh, before I started writing poetry, but I mean, I, some people say they're kind of one and the same and like, all right, whatever. I agree slash disagree on that one. So I started writing songs. I was probably like sixth grade but like guitar didn't wasn't really a thing because I play guitar and um, then seventh grade was when I really started reading about poetry and stuff like that but I also was writing songs so the poetry really didn't come around like until about I want to say yeah 2017 that was like around the same time I started kind of like questioning slash deconstructing things in my faith and that was also the same time I had went to go see a poet named uh, Chris Bernstorff. That's what got me back into writing poetry. And uh, the rest is pretty much history on that one.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. Um, what role do you feel like poetry has played in your deconstruction process?
1: Ooh, what role? Or
0: do you feel like your deconstruction has played more of a role in your poetry then?
1: the other way around uh the second thing I think the it's uh, the deconstruction definitely is just kind of like bled through into more of the poetry especially when I'm overthinking as I am one to do um or if I'm questioning something or if I'm uh feeling a certain way because I have mad feelings and my feelings be mad sometimes <laughs> and so <laughs> I just end up just writing the things i need to write and of course like i mean it's poetry i don't have to make it rhyme or anything but yeah it's it's definitely helped me especially mentally because deconstruction is not a fun thing it's definitely like it's emotionally and, and mentally taxing sometimes deconstructing and so i have to i write it into poems and yeah
0: do you have, actually, do you have any poetry that you can share with us?
1: I have one uh, that I actually just recently wrote not too long ago. It's the title. I mean, I just have it as the, as the date I wrote it. And uh, it's not really like a, it's more of a, like just thoughts, but I consider it a poem. It's called 01-11-2022. So it's basically the date of the poem that I wrote it. So January 11th, 2022. Poetry is holy. Jesus, America has turned you into a white Christian nationalist. I still don't get what it means to, quote unquote, live by the spirit. Dear God, if love is a commandment, then let it be a joyous command. Not just about obedience, not just about holiness, not just about humility. Poetry is holy. To be human is holy with all our rage and sorrow. With all our laughter and pain, we are spiritual beings, basking souls inside skin and bones. Poetry is otherworldly, scribbled through the edges of time. Love, can you translate mine? And that's it for that. One. Thank, Thank you. you
0: for sharing that with us. Thank um, you. Yeah. So I know that you you mentioned deconstruction and all of these like existential things that go on when you start this process for the most part are not that sexy. They're um they can be <laughs> kind of difficult things to to navigate and to walk through. Are there any parts of this journey that you feel like have been very good or um or hopeful parts?
1: Well, could you give an example by what you mean by that?
0: Yeah. So for instance, I think for myself, I would say while a lot of the kind of dissecting the faith, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of chaos. And it. it seems more and more like the more I learn, the less I know. <laughs> but Ooh. at the same time, there is this element of kind of hope towards feeling more freedom and peace as I step away from some of the confines of the rules and the legalism of it all.
1: Ooh. Yes, yes um okay I see what you're saying yeah I do find well ever since like I stopped going to church <laughs> pretty much um yeah there's been I mean and just trying to like uh, I guess pull back the um or like deconstruct some of the um the beliefs and everything I do find that there is like some semblance of peace I mean, yeah, there's still like a lot more questions. The other day I wrote something on Instagram. It had to do with like, if God is love and we're made in the image of love, then that must mean that we must be good, that we must be very good, you know? Yeah. That there's and. It just, instead of like, you know, us being taught that we're quote unquote, inherently evil or, or inherently sinful and that type of thing.
0: Yeah, no, that is such a good point. I love that perspective and that way of looking at it. Cause there's definitely this, you know, it's like, God is perfect. God is flawless. God is all things good. We are created in his, in his image. We are 100% bad. We're born into sin. We're. Um, there's nothing you can do to redeem yourself or <laughs> you right. know yeah
1: it's yeah, almost no, very I, like sorry go on
0: no no I I was done I-, <laughs> uh,
1: I was just saying that it's almost like in some sense believing that is almost like <laughs> like nihilistic in a way <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> almost like a totally hopeless situation it's like man well that that that's horrible <laughs> like mm-hmm
0: it's so true but I think there's an element of it where at least a lot of churches I think they they want you to feel completely worthless and hopeless because if you if you don't have that kind of fear of hell it's maybe they find hard to motivate you or if you don't feel like you're completely worthless it's harder to control you I mean someone who's in that state just even from like a you know a abuse standpoint someone who is in a state of fear Who's really insecure, who doesn't feel like they're good enough, who some of those things, they are the easiest people for perpetrators to seek out as potential victims. And not that, you know, in all cases, the church is a perpetrator. That's maybe a, an extreme analogy. But I think there are cases where that is the case, and um, people don't want to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, like the gosh, my brain just does not want me to think today. Um, yeah that's just the whole and that's kind of like I mean yeah I kind of like I mean obviously like from my background my own background I grew up kind of like as that that like type of thing that like just, just not good enough not like insecure I mean definitely was insecure still am insecure at times but yeah, I remember like, especially in my teens, in high school, I remember there was this thing I would go to, they called it uh, Duncan Devotionals. They would, it would always start at like seven, and it was always like on Thursdays, early in the flipping morning before classes start. I mean, and people wouldn't, they wouldn't like rope you in or anything like that. I mean, they had, well, they kind of did, with the donuts, that's how they got you, was the donuts. And so... <laughs> Yeah, and then someone would talk. I don't remember everything, but I do remember, yeah, mostly it was like people would like use that language, you know. I was like, I wasn't good enough, like that type of thing. And then but then Jesus came to my life, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like some of it did help. But then looking back, obviously, it was just like, dude, like I mean, it was almost like cringy until <laughs> like look back on now. It's just like, man, like that almost feels a little bit, I don't know, like predatory. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, I don't know.
0: I think it's a good point too, how you said, you know, it's not all bad. There were some things that were helpful. And I think that's one thing that sometimes I maybe gets missed is that, you know, I think there are elements throughout, you know, whether it's been Bible studies I've been in or things like that, like there were elements of those things that were good, or you wouldn't keep going back. I hate to keep comparing to like abusive relationships. I don't know where this analogy is just like the one coming to mind today, but even in that it's an abusive relationship. It's not all bad and you stay for the good parts and I don't know maybe not the best comparison (laughs) again right oh one thing that I was going to ask about because we totally slid just right over this so I know that you also do music and that do you write your own lyrics and everything like that Mm.
1: yeah well I'm somewhat a musician I'm not like a professional in any way shape or form All I do is play guitar and write words.
0: But that's a musician. I don't think you have to downplay it. That's just because you don't do it for a living doesn't mean you're not a musician.
1: Yeah, by day I am a caregiver and by night I am a musician. (laughs) But yeah, I uh, definitely, music has been a big, big part of my life like ever since I was a kid. And so (laughs) fun fact uh, from like, I think it was 2016, into I think it was either 2015 to 2016 or 2016 to 2017 I was part of my church's uh uh worship team for a bit and oh my gosh
0: that was gonna be my next question because I feel like so <laughs> many people in the deconstruction com- community come from like positions of like leadership and worship somehow so you were you were on the worship team
1: yeah for a bit and I actually wanted to be on the worship team like I was like like, I want to do that. And I was actually telling a friend of mine recently that I think I wanted it too much. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I definitely had that. Like I wanted to do that. And so, but yeah, I didn't play guitar or anything, but I did sing just mostly a backing vocalist.
0: I always find that interesting. Music has been, so I personally, I, I have so much respect and appreciation for people who are musically talented in any way. It has never been a talent of mine. I mean, I did piano for a little bit when I was a child, but outside of that, I have no singing ability, no like none of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no. I think that's really really cool though, which I was going to ask, did you ever write worship songs? And do you like and what type of music is your favorite to write now?
1: I do actually. I did write my own worship songs. I was never really good at it though. Like I'm just like horrible at it but i mean it was like my own way of writing just like expressing the things i feel and the things because like most of them most most of my worship songs have to do with feelings based they're definitely like god i feel this way i wrote a song called uh deeper uh deeper grace and at one point in the song i think like the first line is um uh what is it oh okay now I remember it. I remember the line it's uh Jesus you're you're the only one for this heart uh for this heart tonight yeah so that one's like and I wrote that I think in like 2016 2016 2017 ish okay but yeah so a lot of it has to do with God hold me I'm weeping like <laughs>
0: basically. <laughs> no.
1: that's basically what most of the songs have to do with yeah No,
0: but I think being able to put that you know genuine emotion into your art is is what can make it really good so i i think that's cool
1: yeah actually i just found it so i can just like i can just give you like the chorus so like jesus you're the only one for this heart tonight when it seems no one cares i want to cry when you hold me in your loving arms in the night lord can i cast all my cares upon you and trust what your word says what you'll do i want to love you like i used to yeah so that was the chorus. And that was, yeah, 2016 I wrote that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so has your idea about anything that you wrote in that song kind of shifted since you've been deconstructing?
1: Uh, there are still things that I resonate with about that song. And then there are uh, verses, like, there's one song I remember writing that I'm just like, I don't know about this one like there's and I have it it's all like right here trying to find the song oh I can't find it uh so but yeah now I'm writing songs where I'm like basically talking about I've been wandering for so long and kind of like that type of thing like the the 40 years in the desert type wandering or me being okay with like writing out my doubts and my questions versus like where when I wrote that song back in 2016, I was like, should I write that? Like <laughs> but I've always written how I've felt. I definitely feel like when I look at that song, like Deeper Grace, or there's another song I wrote called Celebration. And the very first line I remember writing. From that one is I literally just saw it where is it there it is the very first line of that one of this song celebration is uh, I want to count all the things I've done wrong I want to be weak yeah I'm not sure if I agree with that now
0: <laughs> I think that's interesting though and I, I I like the idea of kind of just writing how you feel and not limiting yourself to should I write this or should I not
1: right yeah yeah definitely I think, I think
0: there's some value in allowing yourself to just
1: to like to just create
0: how you feel without trying to limit that
1: oh i used to do that all the time like i remember telling my friend i want to write worship songs and then they would tell me well just write whatever you feel and uh and just thank god and i'm just like <laughs> i don't want to do that i want to write worship songs <laughs> 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 it's like but yeah but now i'm like i can do that and I can write honestly, and I used to be so scared to do that. But at times I'd get like, just, is it okay to write this? Like, can I write this? Like, yeah, just all the questions. But now, especially after all the more intense years of deconstructing the last few years, I've been able to just kind of... Right. And I think I mentioned something about this on, on my own podcast, where I was talking with a friend of mine. I said, if God knows everything, why not just express that?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you been open with your friends and family about your deconstruction journey? Or are you more <laughs> connecting online, but maybe not so much in real life? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know I say um, not in
0: real life, but you like you know what I mean.
1: I know what you mean. I definitely I have like okay, so especially with my stepmom, I call her my mama. I don't, I don't like calling her my stepmom, but um, yeah, I would um, I definitely have had faith conversations with my mama because I mean she kind of had a very churched background growing up and kind of the same with my father. I definitely have had those kinds of conversations with them. I, especially when I was uh, really into researching and this was like going back to like middle school, high school, I would always get these books on religion and on cults. That's when my parents were like really concerned for me. They were like, Hey, you need to like take it down from like a hundred to like two. And so, Because I was, I was just so curious. And but like I said, like, also, my trauma was what drove my curiosity, in a sense. I was like getting all these books on different faiths, new age faiths, all this stuff. And then like cults, I started learning about cults. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what is this madness? I remember there was one time I got a book on cults and it was like this really big book. I didn't even like get to like finish it or anything like that because my parents were like, Austin, we need to have a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So like, did
0: they not want you to learn about other religions or oh no, were they were they, very
1: open. Okay. They were very open. They were just like, you just need to be careful. And so I was like, which I mean, of course, me at the time, I was just like, I didn't fully understand, obviously, why I needed to be careful about this stuff. Cause I was curious, but yet at the same time, I don't know. Maybe they were afraid I was gonna join a cult or something I and <laughs> I think they were right to feel the way that they felt and um and be concerned for for me but I just didn't get it at the time of course I got my feelings about it But ultimately I mean they were I mean shoot they were concerned about the church I was going to as well because there were there were some things about the church I'm not going to say the name or anything like that but yeah there was definitely some like issues with the church that were like mm, not good so yeah. Was it like yeah. a
0: Christian church or? Uh,
1: yeah, it was an evangelical church. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. I know you have your own podcast, which you mentioned. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can find it if they want to check it out?
1: Ooh, yes, yes. I have a podcast called the Existential Wanderer podcast. And basically the goal of the podcast is to have community. It's not so much about telling people who's right and who's wrong. The goal of the podcast is to share if people want to share their religious background and if they're deconstructing or share their religious background/religious trauma cuz I mean a lot of people are going through that and seem to be speaking out about it. And so not only that but also to share what they hold on to in terms of beliefs and what they've let go of. And so That's, but mainly that's the the goal of the podcast. It's to have a community to be an open space, a safe space for people who have been sort of the, the black sheep of the church or whatever religious background they were a part of. And so, yeah, that's, that's the goal for my podcast.
0: Awesome. And I will link that in the show notes as well for anyone who's listening where those are available. If people want to connect with you on social media, where can they go?
1: uh well they can i have two instagram uh, handles one is for my poetry as austin jenkins poetry is all one thing so you can find my poetry page the other one is for my podcast and also other thoughts that seem to be bouncing around in my brain that is the existential wanderer pod pod so existential wanderer pod yeah
0: Awesome, and I will link those in the show notes as well if uh, people want to connect with you. I think that is all the questions that I have. So thank you so, so much for taking time out of your day to join and have this conversation. And yeah. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Thank you for having me. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, I would really appreciate it if you left a kind review. It helps so much and means a lot to me. Connect with me on Instagram at Social Disgraces. Feel free to shoot me a DM if you're interested in collaborating or being a guest on the show. Thanks again, and I will catch you next time on Social Disgraces.